Welcome to Above and Below, a Salt Lake podcast where we're going to be exploring above and below the surface. We'll take a deep dive into the world of fishing, diving, and surfing. Every week, we're going to sit down with experts to learn more about them and get their freshest, hottest takes on all things salty. Welcome to Above and Below, a Salt Life podcast. I'm your host, Cheyenne Bearson, and today we have Emmanuel Williams on with us. Today, we're going to discuss being the first person in history to catch a broadbill swordfish on a PWC. Emmanuel, how's it going? Hey, how are you? Doing good. Good. We are so excited for this episode. So uh, what have you been up to? Just fishing, trying to catch as big of a fish as possible on the sea do. <laughs> Can you give us a brief overview of that and what you do in the fishing world? So I fish just like any other fisherman, but my vessel is a sea do fish pro. So it's a 12 foot personal watercraft and I'm out there fishing after pelagics like sailfish, tuna, mahi, wahoo, and recently swordfish. So with that being said, what have you been up to since you were last on the podcast? <laughs> I've been trying to get the chip aligned and um, we finally did it. We were able to catch a swordfish on the sea do. Absolutely insane experience. That is so awesome. I want to personally congratulate you. I know last time you were on the podcast, you had mentioned that that was one of your bucket list fish. And that is just so amazing that you are the first person in history to make that happen. <laughs> yeah, for sure. A lot went into it, but likewise, I'm very happy about it. Can you tell us a little bit about the significance of that in the fishing world? I mean, that is such a massive accomplishment. Yeah. So First of all, like whether you're on a boat, a PWC, in general, in the fishing world, the swordfish is a very, very, very sought after fish, known for being very aggressive, very hard to catch. So just planning this trip was a little bit, you know, intimidating, just thinking about getting it done. But it's been literal years that have went to the planning, about four years now. So it finally aligned and we got it done. I read your Instagram post and in your caption, I saw that I love how you declared that you in the beginning, this was your journey. You are <laughs> going to be the one to make this happen. So you said it's been about four years you've been uh, trying to accomplish this goal. How long, like, when did you know that you were going to be the person to put it all together? So when when I originally thought of doing this, I was not nearly ready for it. Um, I actually had a smaller watercraft time, but I just like here in Florida, especially here in Florida, swordfish is a big thing. And I was like, you know, if I catch this on the sea, it could just be something huge. So I was always saying to myself and to all my friends, like, I'm going to be the first person to get this done on a sea do. And um, yeah, at the, like I said, at the time, I was not ready at all. A lot of fishing and time on the water went in after me saying that, but eventually got it all together, got this dialed in and got it done. Well, you had the dream and, and that's what it took of you spending these last four years essentially planning and preparing to get to this moment. And I just love that. That's so great. <laughs> so where was the location of you catching the swordfish and when did this happen? So this happened on August 20th, 2023, Sunday, and we drove from Florida to Louisiana, Venice, Louisiana, 
and we hooked up with Captain Blake from Triple Tail Charters. Without him, this trip would not have been possible, honestly. A lot of captains are not even open to stuff like this, and they see PWCs and nuisance. So big shout out to him for being open to it and being open to making it happen. And um, one of the reasons we chose Louisiana is because compared to here, we have a lot of current here in Florida. So being on the PWC, keeping your heading the right way, managing a rod, dealing with all the current, you're also fishing eight pounds of lead. It's a lot. So in Louisiana, they fish less lead. They have less current and it's a beautiful, amazing fishery as well. So I thought it would make the most sense to pair up with Captain Blake and get it done. That's great that you had somebody on your side that knew the area and knew the target species you were after and was open to really helping you accomplish your goal. Can you give us a, a little bit of a rundown of start to finish of your day of fishing? I'm so excited to hear the whole story. <laughs> so we left as we were on a on a houseboat in Venice, Louisiana, like I said, um, right on the water. So we left as soon as the sun was coming up. We left in the morning because we knew by about 10 a.m. the weather was going to start to kick up on us. So we got out there as soon as possible. It was about 25 miles from where we are just to the inlet. Wow. Which they call like the pass. So about 25 miles there and then another like 20 plus miles from the inlet offshore. So just around 50 miles one way to where we were going. So we got out there first thing in the morning, followed Blake out there. He's on the boat. Um, Yeah, once we got out there, Blake got us all rigged up. We got a rod on the Fish Pro. And now we're just out there bouncing around, drifting, waiting for a bite, pulling up our bait, checking it, dropping it back down, you know, just staying active. Um, we went about three hours without a bite and we we're like, uh, you know, <laughs> we drove pretty far from Florida, about 16 hours to get there. So we were really, really, really hoping for a swordfish. And then within a second, we get a bite. The fish is there. We get tied on them, start cranking super hard. After about 10 minutes into the fight, my arm's getting tired because we had previously checked our bait at least three or four times. And another difference with surf fishing there versus Florida is pretty much everyone here is running an electric rod for obvious reasons. I 100% get why they do it. But in Louisiana, we had less current, less lead. So we were hand cranking this fish. What? So, <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So even when we were just checking our rod, we had to crank up from 1,400 feet of water. So that took a toll before we even got into the battle with the fish. So after about 10 minutes cranking on the fish, my arm is getting tired. Sebastian, who joined me on this trip, Sebastian. He's been on Survivor. He's been on the show. It's called The Challenge. So he was a perfect guy for it. Came out here with me, helped me out with this fish. He hopped in, started cranking up that fish as well. And honestly, it all happened so quick to me. Like it just happened so quick. But maybe after about another 10 minutes, we finally got our lead to the tip of the rod. I reached in there, clipped off that lead. 
started screaming at Sebastian, get tight, get tight, get tight. <laughs> I didn't want any chance of that fish getting away. Um, so yeah, he got tied on the fish, switched back over. I'm back on the rod now. And now we're just laser, like laser vision, like, like super, super serious. We need to get this fish in the boat. So I'm cranking on him, cranking on him, cranking on him for maybe about another 10 minutes. Eventually, we see the glow of the swordfish is coming up. And I, like, at that point, I can't even believe what's going on. He eventually comes up right boat side. Didn't even jump. Didn't even put up like much of a fight. You know, these fish are, are known to dig and do all types of crazy jumps. It's like it was meant to be. The fish came up, came boat side. He was just laying broad like this. I'd screaming at Sebastian, stick him, stick him, stick him. Thank God we had a super long gaff. Sebastian reached out, stuck him right on the top of his dorsal there. I followed it up with another gaff shot, and that was his street. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like you telling that story, my heart is racing. I feel like tears coming to my eyes of excitement for you. You gave us a little bit of the emotions you were feeling, but like what were the emotions reeling that fish in? I mean, I can't even imagine. It was honestly like the biggest thing I felt was just excitement, but also worry. You know, like you hook this fish, it's not guaranteed that you land it. And just the angling that goes in, the cranking on that fish, knowing when to pump, when not to pump, it's a lot goes into it. So it was a lot of emotions in a very short period of time. And yeah, got it done somehow. That is crazy. Oh my, if 1,400 feet hand cranking, that's the ultimate workout. You were probably wiped out by the time you got <laughs> that thing in. Yeah, I know. And a lot of people, they they just, um, they're like, oh, you know, like the electric reel, it's cheating. So this right here is the ultimate deep drop fish on the hand crank. So it's finally done. You took a challenging fish, made it even more challenging by being on a PWC, and then made it <laughs> even more challenging by hand cranking it and landed the fish. That is amazing. What were you feeling throughout the day? Did you have, you said there was a little bit before you got the bite, right? Like what time of day would you say you got your bite? We were fishing. We were out there at maybe... 7 a.m. 7 a.m., like three hours went by. And I think it wasn't until like around 10, 30, 11 that we got our bite. And it was one bite, one fish. So that was like the window we had to make it happen. You know, we're out there for one day. We drove into Venice. The next day we fished and the next day we left. So it was a very tight time slot. We just had to make it happen. And Thank God we made it happen, you know? Yes, God is good. So did you feel that pressure, like those three hours of waiting? Was it like, what were your emotions during the waiting? Because that's that's tough. I was just stressed. Like I was just stressed, you know? Um, all, you know, like the team's hype, um, everyone's hype, but I'm just like, what if this doesn't happen, you know? And that's just a reality of fishing. You always have to, be able to deal with the fact that you might have traveled super far. It doesn't matter. The fish don't care. The ocean doesn't care. Some days you might not get a bite. Some days it might not happen. But like I said, thank God it happened. <laughs> that is so good. 
What was the size and weight of this thing? It looked almost as big as your PWC in the photo <laughs> I saw. There's actually an underwater angle in the YouTube video where Tyler was swimming up and you could see the size of the sword versus the ski. And the ski weighs a thousand pounds. The sword was about a hundred pounds. Um, so it's still the biggest fish we've landed on the sea, dude. Still a big fish. Obviously, we know swordfish grow upwards of a thousand pounds. But different areas, they're bigger. Different areas are smaller. Like here in Florida, we get a huge. Um, I think our state record is 700 plus pounds. But in Louisiana, their state record is just above 300 pounds. So the fish there are a little smaller. Yeah, so the fish there are a little smaller, but it worked out perfectly in our favor. I'm super happy with the fishery guy. It was a perfect fish. And after we got it, it went insane. Like it went insane, thrashing its bill, kicking its tail super hard. So I couldn't imagine a fish 100, 200, 300 pounds more than that, you know. So I'm happy that it happened the way it did. We're all so happy for you. <laughs> I've seen your picture going everywhere. Everybody's so happy for you. Everybody's loving it, loving the hype behind it and all the dedication and hard work that you put in. It was It was so well earned. Thank you. What was, you're welcome, what was your details for your setup going fishing? Like your tackle, your gear, what did you use to land this thing? So, like I said, I'm a daredevil. I like a challenge. Captain Blake is a, a captain. He's on the water every day. He's dialed in on this fishery. So this trip was really a combination of both of those factors. So Blake got us all rigged up. We are using a Talic of 50, Shimano Talic of 50, we we're using two pounds of lead and then the rod we we're using, I think it's called like a check and bottom sword fishing rod. And then we had our 65 pound braid. We had our, our little splice where we can clip on our lead. And then we had a 150 pound wind on where we had a big J hook. I think about a 12 J hook rigged onto a, a squid. Wow. And how much wind on leader did you have from the lead? I think it's about 150 feet, 150 feet. Yeah. So that's a pretty good chunk of leader because I remember when you were telling the story, you said you unclipped the lead and then I was wondering like how much further did you have to go? <laughs> yeah. So, so once we unclipped the lead, we still had a uh, 150 foot wind on. Wow. That's, that's still a fight to go. I could see why you had to be so laser focused and, and really get into go time on that. Did you need to bring a gaff with you? Your, um, I remember in the previous podcast, you had told me about your big fish bag, like your cooler bag. Did you need to bring all that with you too? So since the, the goal for this trip was specifically a swordfish, I knew any swordfish we were going to catch was not, or at least any swordfish we were going to catch and keep was not going to fit in my fish bag. So I didn't bring it. I did bring my gaff from home. I brought my soil pitch set up from home that I kept on the boat. And um, yeah, so we I had my gaff on there and then I had one of Blake's setups on there. And that was it. It was super simple, super light. I didn't even have anything in my front hat, just my radio, my beeper. So just everything we needed and nothing more than that. That's a good idea. Just bare minimum to accomplish your goal. Exactly. And then, like I said in the video, the best problem we had all day is that we had a big swordfish and we have nowhere to put it. But thank God we partnered with Blake on this trip and 
we were able to put the sword in his fish box for a ride back home. That's great. And did you need to bring any extra fuel with you because you had 50 miles there, 50 miles back? So we did bring extra fuel. Um, I kept it on Blake's boat, which was a great thing that we brought because at about 10 a.m., 1030, the weather really, really, really kicked up on us. And I was riding home in some tall waves. So the wind and the waves really play into the fuel mileage you get on the sea dude. So that cut down on it. So thank God, once we got back into the paths, I was able to fill up a bit so we can make the final run back home. Oh, that's good. Was there any like rain? Did you get caught in any storms or anything on the way back? No storms, just rough weather. And after we caught the sword, we actually ran over to an oil rig, dropped down the jig. That's why I brought myself. It set up, grabbed it off the boat, got back on the CD, dropped it down, and um, instantly hooked up instantly hooked up lost that fish got it broken off hooked up again lost that fish and then we finally landed a bonita which isn't the fish you're after you know but you're in venice on a sea dude giant oil rig next to you and it's just mind-blowing so that was an awesome experience always looking for one more bite right yeah <laughs> <laughs> for sure so you talked about how it's a challenge to catch a swordfish, regardless of what kind of boat or PWC you're on. Can you give us an example of why it's so challenging? So it's not like, all right, good example. Our safe, for instance, by wreck fishing, you have a wreck and you're marking fish on the wreck and you know those fish are there on that wreck. With sword fishing, it's a little different. Whereas you're fishing a big area and you're hoping for the fish to be somewhere in this area. You know what I mean? So you drop your bait down to the bottom 1,400 feet and then you crank it up about 200 feet. So now your bait is suspended about 200 feet off the bottom and you're hoping the swordfish is at that depth, you know, within a huge area. And then on top of that, you have your lead. And behind your lead, you have 150 feet of leader. And the fish aren't biting your lead. They're biting your bait. And your bait is all the way back there. So the bite is also very subtle. You know what I mean? So a lot goes in. You can have a bite. You can hook a fish. But that doesn't guarantee landing the fish. Wow, that really gives some perspective on how blessed you were to have that fish bite your bait. Because... I'm picturing like you've got this whole big ocean and that fish had to be at the right place at the right time to get the hook up. Exactly. And all the factors playing together, like it would have been awesome to see that sort of fish jump. But at the same time, every time that fish jumps or swings its head, you have a higher chance of losing it. You know what I mean? So for me, I was just happy that it just came up, it was fighting, but it just came right to us. No crazy jumps, no crazy runs. Like it was literally like, was meant to be oh man that is great and that do you just saying that makes me think like also the challenge is bringing it up from that depth 1400 feet that's a heck of a fight to the whole time you're hoping and praying you're not gonna lose that thing exactly just making sure to stay tight on it even in the moments we're switching between me and sebastian cranking on the fish just a second of slack you know you can lose that fish Every time you're coming up with the waves and you're going back down, you have to make sure to crank and just stay tight on that fish. So it's a lot that goes in to just cranking on that fish and getting it to the boat. 
And thank God, once we finally got into the boat, we saw that the bait was way down the hatch and his stomach wasn't gone anywhere. <laughs> oh, of course, you would have loved to have had that knowledge <laughs> while you were cranking it up, right? So my personal question for you, a little off, to- off topic of the fishing aspect, how sore were you the next day? Honestly, I was sore. 100% I was sore, but I'm used to long distance stuff. Um, even out here out front on a regular day, if I'm not catching a fish, I will run all over the place just trying to find a fish. So I'm pretty used to, you know, spending a lot of time out there, whether the, the weather's ideal or not. But having the water kick up so much and I'm riding in lakes white water on the way back and it's kicking up and his boat throws a good wake as well. It was definitely a lot. And the next day I did feel it a bit. <laughs> oh, I could imagine. I was just thinking like you having to crank that up so many times before you got the bite from that death. Yeah, that, had that to as been well. A good arm workout. <laughs> so other than the little bit of weather that kicked up after the bite, did you have any challenges or unexpected difficulties during the trip? Honestly, no. Everything went to plan, you know, like we planned to show up, hang out one night, the next morning went fishing, hopefully catch a swordfish, come back in, and it, it happened, you know. We ran back in, went to the marina, got some pictures, and then we put the swordfish on the sea dew, like on the back of the sea dew, and then I rode from the marina back to our houseboat naturally filleted up and got it all processed out and taped up. I bet it was so delicious. <laughs> so good. Not only do you get the reward of catching such an epic fish, they are so good to eat. Yeah. And for me, I, I love being able to share fish. So I brought that fish home. I took home half of the fillet, staked it up, had a nice um dinner with my family. The rest I staked up and gave away close friends, close family, family at church. So it was awesome. I bet they were so proud of you. Having that celebration dinner was probably just another level of the rewarding factor of it. So I know I'm very excited about this. I know our listeners are too. Your YouTube video is launching September 12th. Am I right? Yes. My YouTube video on the Salt Life channel is launching September 12th. That is so great. I am excited to see that and I'm really looking forward to it. I know Salt Life's amped about it. So I'll be keeping my eyes out for that video to come up. Do you have any other goals? Anything you plan to do next? What other uh, history are you going to make for us here in the upcoming months and years? I don't know. I feel like in terms of like fish that haven't been caught on a PWC, that might be it. Um, I, I searched the internet hard for multiple years trying to find a video, trying to find a picture of a swordfish on any type of PWC. And I was never able to find one, no proof that anyone done it. So, but that's like the only fish that I think hadn't been done. I do want to do big marlin, big tuna, but they do that. They've been doing that for years in Hawaii. So for now, swordfish, swordfish in the history books on the Cebu, but that's it for now. <laughs> Good. Well, the rest of it sounds awesome anyway, just to have as a goal of the tuna and and the big marlin. I mean, that's that's crazy awesome, whether it's been done or not, landing those big fish on something so small. 
it's killer. <laughs> so any upcoming trips for you? Right now, I'm at home fishing out front. No trips planned right now. Enjoying your victory. I love it. <laughs> well, will you shout out your social media channels for us so that we can stay tuned with you and follow along on your adventures? For sure. So my YouTube channel is I Belong Outdoors, all one word. My Instagram page is Emmanuel, E-M-M-A-N-U-E-L-W underscore. And on TikTok, my name is Eman Belongs Outdoors. Awesome. Well, we are so excited that we got the chance to have you on the podcast. We love the episode and we really just look forward to following along with you. For sure. Thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Thanks so much for being on, Emmanuel. We are so proud of you. Thank you. Congratulations again. Thanks for listening in to Above and Below a Salt Life podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Real Salt Life. If you've enjoyed this episode, rate and review us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast to help spread the word. And remember, stay salty. <laughs>